Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, continuing our coverage of the fantasy football preseason. Well, at least pre-draft season. Today, we're talking injuries. So if you out there want to get into a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars, three ways to do so. One, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me which player, not currently injured, but one that has dealt with injuries in the past that you are most worried about drafting, maybe even avoiding in your fantasy football drafts in the 2019 season. Other ways to do so, leave a five-star iTunes review for the Pat Mayo Experience. Something nice about the show, DraftKings handle, boom. That's another way to get into the draw. Third way, follow me on the Instagrams, at the PME, like one of the football or heart one of the football photos that is up there, or videos, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, boom. You're in the draw for 20 DK dollars. Hit the description of the video or podcast or the comment section for all previous fantasy football shows. We're up to like 20 of them right now. And you can find all of my updated rankings on DKPlaybook.com. We got that all out of the way. Joining me on the line from the fantasydoctors.com, it is a doctor himself, Dr. Jesse Morse. Thanks for being on, man. Thank you for having me. Are you ready to run through all of this? First of all, I need to tell people about the package that you're offering. Because if they get it today, Wednesday, it's only going to be $5. If they get it tomorrow, it's going to be $10. So I suggest everyone go to thefantasydoctors.com and go buy it for $5. I've read through it. It is very comprehensive. So can you let people know what appears in this injury guide? Yeah, so uh, I cover, I'm a sports medicine doctor, so I cover a ton of injuries, a ton of fractures and stuff like that. Uh, I realized that a lot of these guys had similar injuries year in and year out. And, and a lot of them had a lot of wear and tear on, on their, on their knees, on on their body parts that it's hard to appreciate if you just see them on the field. And I said, Oh, well, they haven't been injured this year. So I decided to really write up a really comprehensive uh, draft guide. uh, That's much more comprehensive than I had ever written in the past uh, to cover really the top 50 to 60 players. So it covers like basically the 15 of the top 30 running backs, the top six or seven uh, quarterbacks that you're worried about. Um, and, and, and it really breaks down uh, the injuries in, in layman's terms so that you can understand. And then I, I kind of give them a risk score. Um, so it kind of helps. And, and I did this a couple of years ago and anticipated Andrew Luck's injury uh, and not playing. Uh, I warned people about Leonard Fournette last year, and unfortunately his uh, ended up coming to fruition. And so I'm just trying to kind of uh, relay that to people because injuries play a huge role in fantasy and in, in all of sports. Uh, and if I can explain why this injury is going to take longer than two days, uh, maybe you'll perceive it differently and be smarter about considering to draft him or start him. My favorite part of the injury draft guide was that risk tolerance. So it's an out of a 10, you know, a nine out of 10, probably going to get re-injured one out of 10 might not get re-injured so again the fantasydoctors.com you can buy it right now on the wednesday for five dollars as of august 1st it will become ten dollars so rush to the fantasydoctors.com and go check that out right now so let's dig into this as it pertains to injuries first uh just some general questions that i have we all like to every fantasy football analyst or every football analyst likes to pretend that they know a bunch about the medical field they hear oh hamstring <laughs> well that's definitely going to be two to four weeks and after four weeks they're going to be fine but hamstrings in particular always worry me especially at the running back position and it always seems to me what what's the actual timeline 
on a hamstring injury, not a torn hamstring, but like you see people tweak their hamstrings. It's like, oh, it's two to four yep. weeks, but then you see them back after two weeks. That doesn't seem like they've let everything recover. Like uh, LaShawn McCoy was always yep. one that stuck out to me with this, that if you rush a running back back after two weeks and they have a hamstring injury, it just seems like they're going to deal with that problem, not be up to 100%, and probably re-injure themselves pretty quickly afterwards. Yeah, so hamstring is one of the notorious ones. Predominantly because whenever a, a group of muscles cross a, a, a joint, that's usually when that's concerning. Hamstring is notorious for that. I mean, these guys train in the off season, but they're no, it's nothing like in the regular season. So you will hear about more hamstring injuries in the first uh, six to eight, maybe 10 weeks starting kind of now uh, of the season than you will at the end of the season. Their hamstrings are not firing. They're not activated like they are in full in full pads and, and full running. Uh, they may go 70%, but when you hit 100% and you haven't been hitting 100%, that muscle may backfire, and, and that's what happens. It, 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 because uh, the muscle is weaker than the bone, the muscle tears and the bone stays where it is. Um, the issue with hamstrings is that all these guys pretty much need them to run – in any given time, except for maybe a quarterback, unless they're not mobile. Uh, so they're going to require them. Uh, Leonard Fournette is a perfect example. Last year, he probably suffered a, maybe a, a mild to moderate grade one, which is only a little bit of a sprain, a little, not a significant tear. Um, probably takes maybe two to three weeks realistically to come back, kind of shutting it down. Came back at three weeks, didn't really test it probably like he should have suffered a re-injury and probably either had a, a worsening grade one or even maybe a grade two, which is essentially a partial tear. So think of taking a, a piece of rope and ripping it in half. That's basically what, what happened. So those take like five, six, seven, sometimes eight weeks to, to properly heal. Uh, Dalvin Cook kind of in the same boat. Uh, these things take time. Rule of thumb, if you, if you kind of want to give one, a grade one is about two to three weeks uh, of not running, but shutting it down and being smart. Uh, grade two is anywhere from three to realistically six, seven, maybe eight. If they're uh, if they just can't get it seem to heal. Grade threes are a full thickness tear and usually require surgery in, in an elite athlete like this. So in full disclosure to the viewers out there, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. So if anyone has been injured later on Monday evening or on Tuesday, we're not going to be able to cover those players that have hurt themselves so far. But I'm just looking at some of the hamstrings that have come throughout training camp. Training camp's been on for like three days. And there's already mm -hmm. guys coming down with hamstring problems. we got Damian Williams, Kelvin Ridley, Duke Johnson. Uh, John Ross left practice uh, just before we spoke or just before mm. we got on the line uh, with a hamstring injury as well. Like, should I be concerned about these guys right now or should I be monitoring when they return to practice? And would this ever put anyone on a do not draft list for you? Cause I know for years that Alshon Jeffrey used to deal with these soft tissue injuries all throughout the preseason. And the years that that happened, he would just get re-injured during the season. Anytime he got a clean bill of health through training camp, he actually performed quite well. <laughs> so a, a lot, one, I, I have taken care of several uh, professional players in the past and, and, and work with the Miami Marlins who, who are not, far south of me, um, a lot of the mindset of these athletes uh, kind of indirectly plays a role here, I've learned. These guys think they're Superman. They've defied odds pretty much their entire career. So they think that the timelines that we give them are for regular people and not for pros. Well, a lot of the times these are actually meant for pros and regular people would take even longer. So these guys think they can come back sooner 
which indirectly leads to them injuring uh, themselves faster. There uh, is a certain amount of time that uh, things need to take to heal, depending on the severity of the tear. Um, and if you're going to rush it too soon, it's going to bark up uh, back at you if, if you're not ready. Uh, these guys should be doing something called Nordic hamstrings, which are very popular in European soccer as a preventative measure, but they're probably not. And that's why they suffer so many uh, hamstring injuries. Um, no one at this point in time I'm overly concerned about. As we start to get later, or if it's a significant tear at grade two, uh, then I get more worried. But for hamstrings at this point in time, I'm not super concerned. All right, let's talk about the biggest injury so far of the preseason. It's A.J. Green with his ankle. It does look like he's going to be out four to six weeks. At least that's the timeline that we've been mm -hmm. given. He's falling down in drafts now. The most recent draft that I saw, like two days after the injury, sixth round for A.J. Green. So it does look like he'll miss at least a week, maybe two weeks into the season if recovery goes well and he comes back fully healthy. Do you think that A.J. Green is still draftable as a borderline wide receiver one, or will this injury you think limit him so before this injury I was actually kind of excited about green they look like they have the potential to do something uh, better than they did last year with a new coach and uh, Mixon looking better uh, Ross maybe breaking out if he doesn't tear his hamstring uh, <laughs> but after the issue with this ankle well Mind you, a lot of this is only based on reports. I don't have any side, you know, knowledge or anything. And if I did, I couldn't use it anyway. Um, so from what we know, this is a grade two. These take about six to eight weeks. The issue is he's coming off of a toe surgery for turf toe. I believe it was on the opposite foot. So he's indirectly compensating, which may have led to this injury indirectly. But also based on his age, he's 31. Uh, the fact that he's probably going to miss all of training camp or the majority of it and really not get any reps in. Um, and then you're putting him out there and expecting him to fully function when it's go time. Uh, so if he was in the 10th round, a great idea, but you're not getting him in the 10th round. Sixth round, it's a little too risky for me. I liked him before the injury. I thought he was kind of a sneaky pick uh, as, a, as, a, as a, a kind of back-end wide receiver one. Mm, now I'm a little hesitant to, to, to consider it. And if he consider if he gets a second opinion and says, yeah, you got to hold it out even longer, what if he starts the season on the pup list? And you're really kind of screwed. So the next guy is dealing with a foot injury of some kind. I'm not even really sure what it is, but Derrick Henry is apparently in a mm. walking boot. Uh, that doesn't sound good for a running back by any means, especially one that people are pretty torn on coming into the season. I just don't yeah. like Derrick Henry. I think he's pretty inconsistent to begin with. Better daily fantasy, better DraftKings play than probably someone yeah. you want on your season-long team. But what does this do? Like, it's a foot injury. He's in a walking boot. Is this just precautionary? Is this something we should look into? And is this something, again, that might limit him by the time week six comes along? So here is uh, the, the issue with, uh, with Henry is we don't know anything about this injury. We didn't see it happen. We don't know if it's a foot, if it's an ankle. Uh, we don't know the severity. I don't even know the exact diagnosis. All I know uh, based on just experience is that since this, he's in a walking boot and they're saying it's not serious, my, uh, my suspicion is it's a mild lateral ankle sprain, which is your classic ankle sprain. Uh, why, why do I think that? Because if it was a high ankle sprain, they would have told us and they would have been much more concerned. He probably would have been on crutches and he would have been out for four to six weeks. That's how long those take to heal. Um, 
If it was a foot injury, those are almost always concerning because the foot is very brittle. Uh, and these guys are obviously going to need it with the amount of uh, wear and tear they put on, on themselves. A lateral ankle injury is the most common injury in all of sports, regardless of what sport. Um, for the most part, they heal pretty easily. But like A.J. Green, they do when you, when you hurt it enough, it does take time. Uh, the issue I have with Henry is that uh, most of the time I play PPR and he doesn't catch the ball pretty much at all. So if he can go into beast mode like he did at the end of the year, then that's a, a great pick. But if he's inconsistent, like you said, is he going to end up as a, a you know running back three or is he uh, end of running back one if he can go go bananas like he did at the end of the year? So his inconsistency gives me pause. So, I mean, the inconsistency could be one thing, but is there a chance that he could re-aggravate a, let's say it's not a an ankle, let's say it's a, some problem with the foot itself, like the foot would be far more concerning than an ankle, correct? Correct, yeah. So, I mean, if we have a better diagnosis, I will be able to, to uh, give everyone a better explanation or, or expectations of what he's dealing with. But right now, like your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's dealing with. I know he has a boot on his foot and that's really all we know. So if he goes back in a week or two and looks normal, then we kind of forget about this. If, if they're still holding him out in a week or two, the media is going to start pressing and we may find out more information. Uh, is there a huge difference between Julian Edelman's thumb injury and the thumb injury sustained by Sterling Shepard? Um, I don't know what's up with thumb injuries so soon. Uh, Robert Griffin the actually fractured thumb well, so kind of weird. But um, looks like um, Shepherds. Uh, it looks like they're pretty similar. Uh, there's basically four ways to fracture a thumb. You can fracture the tip, uh, which is not overly concerning. You can fracture the base in, in two different ways. Those are super concerning because usually, if this, uh, if the base of your thumb is in two or three pieces, you're going to need surgery because it's not going to be stable. The last way you can tear or injure your thumb is an avulsion fracture. Uh, that is usually where uh, the ligament on the inside of the thumb closest to the second finger uh, tears um, and it pulls a piece of the bone off with it. That usually also requires surgery. So the fact that none of these guys required surgery is all good news. Um, my suspicion is they will be fine in about three to four weeks, uh, but they'll probably play with a cast uh, for I wouldn't be surprised at least maybe the first month of the season. I'm not overly concerned about either of them though. Okay. So if they're playing and even if they're wearing a cast, you wouldn't have any concerns about them actually being able to catch the ball. No, the fact that it's non-displaced uh, I mean, velocity obviously plays a role here. So if these guys are, you know, catching a missile, uh, it's going to be obviously a lot harder to catch. Thankfully it's still uh, kind of warm. So uh, we don't have to worry about the cold yet and that, will be less painful uh but as long as these guys allow it to heal not overly concerned most guys are not going to catch with one hand in general at least not on purpose <laughs> so you do need both hands and obviously you need your thumb that's vital to your grip i mean without your thumb we're pretty much useless and they couldn't have fallen into better situations instead of catching like rocket lasers from their quarterback they get eli and tom brady <laughs> we're just going to lob it right into them yeah they'll be, they'll be fine one of the biggest yeah. concerns i have in this preseason and into fantasy football drafts is i don't really know what to do with todd Gurley whatsoever Part of it is I don't quite understand what this like knee arthritis that he has in how severe that is or how the Rams are actually going to play this. The fact they traded up 
for a running back uh, mm-hmm. in the draft would lead me to believe maybe they scale back his workload a little bit, but that's not been the case with Gurley so far. So what do you know about his knee injury? Maybe is it something that they will lighten his load? Is it something he could re-aggravate? Will it you know, cause him 20% less burst, which is very substantial for an NFL running back? Yes, yes, and yes. Ooh. <laughs> so um, what do we know about Todd Gurley's knee? First of all, he's probably, he's got to have pretty bad arthritis in there if he's already dealing with symptoms at 24, 25. He had an ACL a couple of years ago, and uh, when, when you tear your ACL, there's about 60 to 70% chance you also tear something called the meniscus. The meniscus is, is essentially thick cartilage in between the upper and lower leg bone uh, that is kind of like the shocks for your knee or, or for your car, if you think of it that way. Uh, if you tear this, it doesn't heal well uh, in general. Uh, if you have a large tear, which can happen with an ACL tear, they will probably remove some of it um, or, or they'll try to uh, suture it, which usually we don't do. But uh, if you're going to uh, make someone immobile for three, four months, then you can get away with it. The issue is um, he's got a lot of wear and tear on his knees. A lot of people don't realize he was a track star. He had a lot of miles uh, in college on his knee. Uh, so unfortunately, if you think about it, his knees are probably like someone who's been uh, you know, a regular runner into their 50s. Like He's got a lot of wear and tear in a short period of time. And his, his knees just aren't, can't handle it. Up until you know, late last season, he was fine. But then uh, he must have tweaked it. Uh, he started getting accumulation of fluid, which is uncomfortable and can be drained. But the arthritis uh, is, is the underlying cause. And unfortunately, that is not easily treated, at least not at this age. Um, yes, you can put a cortisone injection in there. Yes, you can put stem cell or, or what we call PRP in there. And, and that will help. But um, the issue with him is uh, if his arthritis is as is, is bad as they say it is, if he was one of my 50 or 60 year old patients, I'd give him something called a gel injection, which would help. And maybe he's got that, but I don't expect it to handle the workload that he's asking of it. Uh, ideally, I mean, if it's that bad, he'd need a, need a knee replacement. I mean, you're not getting a knee replacement at 20 something. So you decrease your, your volume, you decrease uh, your weight, which indirectly helps. Um, and you do everything you can to take stress off that knee and do what you can. The problem is the Rams are stuck. They paid him a ton of money, so they have to play him pretty much. Um, they have all the resources they can do, but there's only so much medicine we have to fix a knee that um, you're not able to function on to the level that he's asking it. So that's why they probably drafted, uh, uh, drafted someone so high and, and spent so much draft capital on uh, on Henderson because of that, uh, because they they just don't know what they're going to get out of Gurley. So he's not going to be the same guy that you're used to, or at least not at the same volume, which is what you need to him to be the the pick where you're drafting him. So obviously we're going to cross him off the first round. I have him in the third, middle of the third round is when I'd start to consider him. Is that where you would consider him in a draft or is that still a bit too high? Personally, I'm not going to draft Gurley this year only because I think there's guys you can get around the same range that have a higher upside and have less risk. 
Okay. Like I'm in a spot right now where I really like Josh Jacobs. I like the potential volume role that he has on Oakland. If I get into a draft, I don't know if I have to take Jacobs over Gurley based on where they're both going, but I think I would prefer to have Jacobs on my team over Todd Gurley, if that makes any sense. Definitely. The issue with arthritis, especially in the knee, is it's unpredictable. That's why Gurley didn't know when he was going to be able to come back. Tried to go, but just couldn't get it going. That's why C.J. Anderson looks so good. C.J. Anderson is not a top five running back, sorry to say. But he looked really good because the offense is, it was, is a juggernaut, and he just kind of slid right in and, 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 and kind of continued on. The issue is we don't know what to expect out of Gurley's knee, and he, neither does he. If he goes 10 games without an issue, great. What if he goes two games and then misses four games because his knee won't calm down? The uncertainty for me gives me pause, and that's why I just I can't draft him. Okay, so you mentioned the PRP. Is that the platelet? Is that the, what Rich we used plasma. to? Is that what we used to refer to as like the the Kobe Germany surgery, where they like would spin yeah. your blood in a centrifuge and then yep. reinject it to yep. activate? Is that like good in the U.S. now? Because I remember for years it wasn't. <laughs> I do that at my office in Florida. Yeah, that is a, a completely uh, a safe and um, uh, legal. Uh, why they went to Germany is because uh, at the time and still applicable, you cannot alter the cells in any way. You can pull them out of the, so PRP is pulling blood out of the arm, spinning it down to the growth factor rich layer, and then re-injecting it back into whatever body part you want, shoulder, knee, whatever. In Germany and several other countries, they can alter the cells. They can heat the cells. They can add whatever they want to them, and it's, it's legal there not legal here. Tyler Lockett, I think, had it last year or the year before. Um, these guys get this a lot because it's safe, it's healthy, it's your body, we're just relocating it, and it's basically trying to tell the body, hey, I need to fix this, uh, get on it, because obviously it's not uh, whatever the body's doing normally is not helping. So that's basically what the, the gist of a PRP, which is from the blood or stem cell, which is from usually the, the posterior hip bone marrow uh that that's the basis of those so i mean along the lines of the surgery obviously you can't use hgh in the nfl but is that something like mm. when we look back like 20 years from now that they'll prescribe injured players hgh or is that something that will never be on the table do you think i don't think uh i don't think it's safe enough to uh, so a lot of these things if you're talking about injecting something into a joint the majority of that goes only into that joint but anything oral or when you inject it just into your uh, hip or leg or whatever, that goes systemically, that goes everywhere. And you start messing with the body's normal endocrine functions and brain functions and hormone levels. And that's when things start getting crazy and, you, and, and, and unpredictable and you get side effects that you don't expect. So that's the issue with those is that I don't think they'll ever be socially uh, acceptable uh, without a true deficiency because of their unpredictability and they have other risk factors that you just regardless of how safe you want to be, you can't control them. Well, how long has like the, the HGH as we know it, as people take it as a performance enhancer is an injury recovery, whatever that may be. How long has that mm -hmm. really been around for now that people have been using it like athlete wise and how long of a time period would you actually need to see if it does have benefits, what the potential side effects are like, how long is that sample size? Is it like three decades? Is it 15 years? Is it five years? Like, what are we looking at here? Without pulling up any specific data, I'd say probably 20 to 30 years of like legit data. Uh, most of the performance enhancing stuff actually comes out of cycling. Um, cycling has a 
ridiculous um, competitive advantage. And even 10 seconds can be the difference between, you know, first and say fifth or whatever. So a lot of things do everything they can uh, to, to try to get ahead. So uh, like nowadays, uh, they actually have developed um, hormones or injections that actually will go into your cell and uh, manipulate the response of the cell and, act, and, and basically have it, um, uh, what's the easiest way to describe it, uh, have it work better than it normally does or not fatigue or be stronger or whatever. Like they actually have that gene manipulation. And a lot of these guys uh, are using it. Uh, why? Because A, it's going to be make you better and stronger and faster and, and, and not get tired as easily. But a lot of the times it's because um, the doping societies and the agencies and everything, they, they don't have a way to test for it yet. So if they're not, they don't have a way to test for it, then these guys are going to use it until they get tested or until they cause a, a positive. All right, let's swing back to some of the players. Guys right now, obviously Le'Veon Bell coming off an entire season of sitting out. But before that, he wasn't like a beacon of health by any means. He was always dinged up at some point during one of his first few seasons. Melvin Gordon is currently holding out as we speak. Mm -hmm. Ezekiel Elliott has decided, you know what? Cowboys training camp, pretty good time. Mexico, much better time. I want a new contract. <laughs> what do you see from these guys? Like a year off for Bell. You can argue it one way to say, hey, that's one less year of attrition. That's amazing news for a running back. He'll be fresh, mm -hmm. but he also hasn't sustained full contact in you know, over, geez, what is it now? Almost 18 months. And if you have someone like Gordon or Zeke, if they sit out all of training camp and they try to come in fresh for week one, or maybe they don't even sign, they don't come back to like week three, week four, whatever it may be. Are they at a higher risk of injury or does it work the other way that they'll just be fresher? No, they're definitely, uh, um, Zeke and Gordon are definitely at higher risk for injury. Uh, assuming they're not um, pushing themselves as hard as they would in training camp. If they're doing that, then maybe they get lucky. Um, but a guy like Bell, I mean, he could have been sitting on his couch for the past year. I, I highly doubt he was. I mean, uh, well, he, we, we saw him drop a rap album, so he at least stood up yeah. once. I mean, and not only that, he uh, earlier this week, he actually did double conditioning sessions. So, I mean, we know he's in great shape, at least in order to do that. Um, my, my primary concern with Bell is I think he benefited more from the offensive line of the Steelers than, than most people give him, uh, you know, uh, credit for. Um, he has a very unique running style, as we know. Um, and, 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 Gase probably wasn't on board, but he didn't really have much of a choice. Um, and the fact that Gase calls the slowest play calling or what he's definitely the, the bottom five, uh, that is a big deal. I mean, if, if he's going to run 20, 30, 40 less plays, then when the Steelers run, you're going to get a lot less volume out of Bell. That's one of my main concerns with him. All right, so it's not really an injury issue with Le'Veon Bell. It's the actual offense that he's moved from. And I, I think that's something to be stated, too, because like at the end of the year with James Conner, when Conner stepped in, he wasn't like as good as Le'Veon Bell, but fantasy-wise, he was essentially the same last season until he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, Conner looked good. I mean, it's, 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 I, I actually wrote uh, Conner's profile, I think it was yesterday, and it's crazy what he went through. Like nobody, I don't, most people don't realize like he was a week away from dying before they diagnosed him with cancer or uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is uh, basically cancer of the, of the lymph nodes or blood. Uh, and then he came back four or five months later and went, uh, had an impressive season. And then he finally got his shot in the NFL and he's been 
you know, the past year showed it. Uh, that kid is impressive. Uh, I know he's not probably as good as Bell, but he's good. Do you expect any sort of lingering wear and tear from him towards the end of last season? It did seem like he broke down a little bit in his first full season as an NFL starter. And we've seen the Steelers uh, year after year after year because they're stuck like, oh, Jalen Samuel is going to be in the mix. And Benny Snell is going to come in. He's going to steal all the goal line work. The Steelers don't do that. They have one guy and they ride that guy into the ground until he gets hurt. Then it's next man up and they ride that guy into the ground. Do you think that Connor can stay upright for all 16 games based on his past history? Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm not really concerned about his injury history, to be honest with you. I think the Steelers are actually going to use Samuels a little more, uh, predominantly because he was actually a tight end in college and then converted. Uh, so he's got great hands. I mean, Connor's got good hands, but I don't think they're as good as Samuels. So, I mean, and then they're going to probably uh, maybe use uh, Snell as, as, as just kind of a backup or, you know, to – to give the guys a breather, but I think Connor is going to get the workload. I mean, Bell's definitely out of the situation, obviously. Brown's not going to command the same amount of targets uh, because obviously he's gone. Juju um, is going to try to do as much as he can, but they're going to depend on Connor and, and Samuels to an extent. So I think both will be viable. All right. Are there any running backs that we haven't quite talked about? And there's extensive write-ups at the fantasydoctors.com if you want to buy the $5 package on almost like every running back that's up there, like you mentioned. But any yeah. in particular that we haven't discussed that really stand out as an injury threat that you need to watch out for coming into the season? There's two guys that I get questions on a lot that uh, people are high on that I hate. Not hate. hate, hate drafting. I, I, I don't hate anything. One is Devonta Freeman. The other one is Darius Geis. Geis, I, I want nothing to do with predominantly because of how complicated his ACL reconstruction was, uh, how long he uh, took to finally get it done, and, 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 and then the fact that he already suffered a, a hamstring injury only a couple months ago. Um, I just I'm not, I don't think he's going to be ready yet this year. Uh, next year, different story. I don't think he's going to be ready this year. He's going to disappoint a lot of people based on where they're drafting him. As far as the other one in Devonta Freeman, people want to think that he's the number one running back again. I, I just, I don't think he can stay healthy enough to do it. We've seen the past few years, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Three or four years ago, he was that RB1. He was in a, worthy of that second or, or third round pick. I, I don't think he's going to be able to do it anymore. I think Matty Ice is going to sling the ball around a lot. And, and I think that realistically, he uh, he is just going to kind of play second fiddle. And I wouldn't be surprised if he suffered another injury that takes him out for three, four or five games. So draft Judge Ito Smith. And I wouldn't say you're good to go because he's not very good. But it looks like he might yeah. back, backdoor his way into some volume now that Tevin Coleman is out on the West Coast. How often do you think about your socks? If you're like, I used to be not much, really. But I recently discovered socks that changed the way... I'll think about socks forever. They're called Bombas. I just got some in the mail there. You can get any sort of size you want. You can get high-cut ones, low-cut ones, those ones where it doesn't even look like you're wearing socks. I got, like, the anklet ones. I like to get a nice ankle tan uh, just so I can kind of judge between my foot and my leg to see how much of a tan I've actually got. But they fit my shoes perfectly. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I'm saying it. I'm throwing that out there. History of feet, Bombas, the most comfortable. They're made from super soft, 
natural cotton. Every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy, but not too thick either. With many colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, Bombas looks great in the gym, at the office, or if you're out on the town. Bombas are what feet daydream about, and for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. A fantastic effort from Bombas. So buy your Bombas at bombas.com today, bombas.com slash PME, and get 25% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash PME for 20% off. Bombas.com slash PME. Quarterbacks. I saw a Twitter clip of Cam Newton throwing the ball. He looked great. Should I be worried? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, why? Uh, shoulder injuries in a quarterback should scare you, Andrew Luck. But Andrew Luck's injury was completely different than Cam's injury. Andrew Luck had a labral tear, which is that meniscus kind of like in our knee, but in our shoulder. Whereas um, Cam Newton had a rotator cuff tear or, or partial tear. Uh, so they cam could do stuff, but he just didn't have the strength to go far. And that's why we've seen his a dot just plummet. And he was throwing a CMC like every other throw. He changed his throwing motion and he was able to, uh, I think he'll be able to be quite effective. They still may use CMC a lot in volume. They're going to hit Samuels. Uh, they're going to hit, um, Curtis a lot. Um, but, uh, or, or sorry, more, uh, a lot, but uh, I'm not overly concerned about Cam. I don't know if he'll ever be a, a top five quarterback, but but I think he'll be much better than he was last year. So you just don't think that the injury itself will limit what he's able to do? Like if there's a 60-yard pass that needs completing, old Cam can make that pass. Cam, after this, with the year off, he should be able to make that pass as well? He should, yes. I, I, I Assuming uh, his his he gave an, uh, his surgery enough time to heal because these take about nine months to heal at least. Um, he should be okay and he should be good. Um, I think he's going to be more smart about it and try not to do the 60 yard passes or at least not often. Uh, but uh, he's also, when he changes his arm slot, kind of like a, a baseball pitcher, you're activating different parts of the muscle, different, uh, just different locations, which may decrease the amount of stress that his, his body is, is placed on it from the wear, wear and tear over the years of, of throwing the ball. So of the quarterbacks coming off of injuries, and you have write-ups for almost all of them, you have Carson Wentz, you have Aaron Rodgers, Andy Dalton, Jimmy Garoppolo. Which one of those guys concerns you the most based off their history of injuries? Carson Wentz. Really? How come? My main concern with Wentz is I don't feel like his knee is ever going to be 100% again. He suffered a pretty substantial knee injury, and everybody just said, oh, it's an ACL. Ah, his was a little more than just an ACL. He had something called an LCL, which is the lateral collateral ligament, the one that runs north to south on the outside of the knee, which is not a commonly injured uh, ligament. Uh, usually you injure that by getting hit on the inside of your knee, which usually doesn't happen, and then it buckles outward. Uh, additionally, there's something called a postlateral corner, which is the kind of back outside part of your knee that's super important. And if that is injured, and we don't have confirmation of that, but if you tear the LCL, which is part of the postlateral corner, and your ACL, there's probably a good chance that you indirectly damage the postlateral corner. These take at least 12, if you're lucky, maybe up to 18 months to fully heal. 
he returned in eight months. He, I don't think it's healed. And then he, he doesn't have the agility. If you look at his rushing uh, uh, volume after, uh, you know, yards per carry, we'll call it, they're like half of what he did before his injury. He's not confident in the knee. Uh, and indirectly, he suffered a fracture in his back as a, probably as a result of his immobility, um, which is basically probably the same injury that Derek Carr had a couple of years ago. We don't know exactly what he fractured, but that's my suspicion. So I just... I'm concerned that he'll never be the MVP caliber player we saw before the knee injury, unfortunately. Is there any chance that Marcus Mariota will ever be able to play 16 games in a regular season? Um, probably not. I mean, he, I, I, I'm, I'm about 95% of the way completed. I was just about to, to finish it before we, we logged on. He has played a lot of his career pretty healthy. He's had a lot of banged up injuries. He's injured his MCL and his knee, each knee at least once, probably twice. I think he had surgery on one of them. He broke his leg a couple of years ago, if you remember that. This past year was a little fluky. He, um, he injured his, his elbow in week one. Uh, he injured something called the uh, ulnar nerve, which is that funny bone nerve, if, you, if you're wondering. Um, this is uh, pretty important in your throwing grip because it controls basically the fourth and fifth fingers. So if you can't kind of use those, then you, you lose a lot of your mobility and a lot of your strength and accuracy. Uh, he then suffers two stingers later in the year. So like, is he prone to getting more stingers, which is basically uh, the whole right side or whole one of the sides of your upper body goes numb for anywhere from two minutes to 48 hours. Um, like, is this something that is just, he's just prone to, um, I'm just concerned that something's going to come up and it's going, he's going to miss time and Tannehill's going to pop his head, head in and start leading the team. I mean, at least in that situation, Tannehill can throw to himself because he's actually a wide receiver. Maybe he'll get double points. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> just stay off the uh, the old Marcus Mariota bandwagon this year. It seems like it's finally stopped. There's not. I haven't seen one person yet because usually there's like three or four at the back of the room being like, you know what, Marcus Mariota. Sleep. <laughs> no, no one's saying that. So maybe this is actually the year for him. I don't know. Maybe With, maybe you draft him way, way, way late. Yeah, he, he's going undrafted, so you can just pick him up yes. if you want to. Uh, with guys like, let's say, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, even Baker Mayfield to an extent, Dak Prescott. Dak has a bit of a different body build than they do. Actually, similar to Josh Allen, frankly, like the tall, kind of strong looking, but they all run the ball so often. Yep. What sort of degree of injury risk does that put them over the Phillip Rivers of the world? So I think... Each of those guys is a little different. I haven't looked up Kyler's injury history, so I can't really speak to his in particular. Allen is more of a uh, kind of a, uh, if he doesn't like his second read or if he makes a second read, he Run. just decides to go. He just go. Like he doesn't, it's not like, oh, well, maybe I'll stick around in the pocket. Like that's his issue. Like he doesn't do his full complement of receivers, so he just goes. Um, Whereas someone like Lamar Jackson, he's probably going to have over a thousand yards this year. And it would not surprise me rushing and that, which is crazy. Um, he is more like a Michael Vick, but he's much, I think he's much bigger than Vick um, without looking at the, you know, the size, the height and weight. Um, I'm not overly concerned about them. Mariota on the other hand has had a lot of banged up injuries and it sounds like he's trying to indirectly compensate that by increasing his weight by 13 or 14 pounds. So he, um, is probably a little safer, I would say, uh, or, or I should say higher risk, whereas the other guys are a little safer. 
Yeah, so just even to look at it right now, like Michael Vick was around six foot, and that can always kind of be fudged uh, no matter what. Yeah. Let's say six foot, 210 pounds. Lamar Jackson, six two, like 225 pounds. So he has like yeah. an extra two inches and extra 15 pounds on him. But he's just going to be running the ball so often. So I guess this, yeah. this could work one of two ways, that when you see someone like Josh Allen or even Kyler Murray, that if they do decide to take off and it's not a designed run, maybe that puts them at – greater risk of actually yeah. taking an awkward hit, almost like what you talked about with Carson Wentz. You yeah. don't see a lot of people hit the inside of the leg, but if you're out scrambling around, that could happen. Yeah. With Lamar Jackson, yeah. there's going to be so many designed runs that he's running behind offensive linemen, Correct. behind giant yeah. tight ends, but he's taking the full brunt of a running yeah. back type hit. He's not sliding into defenders like Murray and Josh Allen will presumably be doing when they start yeah. throwing off. Yeah, I mean, it definitely adds uh, that dual threat adds a very dynamic part to their game, but there's definitely an increased risk. I don't think there's a question. That's why running backs have probably the shortest half-lives of any any player in the NFL because they get hit so much. They get hit from all these crazy angles uh, by multiple players at a time. Um, And if you uh, are going to be running the ball like these quarterbacks are, then they're going to be at increased risk of injury uh just think of all the injuries that uh, running backs have and and you can pretty much apply them to quarterbacks if they're running the ball the same manner would you want your running quarterback obviously to be larger than to be on the smaller end of a guy of course yeah i mean uh cam i think cam is a, is a running quarterback as far as i can recollect cam hasn't really had any injuries uh i mean he has a shoulder but that's a different story uh, that have really kept him out much. Like he's a big dude. Yeah, and it was the same thing with Dante Culpepper all those years too. And then he hurt, I believe he hurt his shoulder as well. Or was it was a knee injury. Don't remember mm-hmm. now, but he was able to sustain being someone who just took a lot of shots. But he was huge. He was like two sixty five. Yeah. Like, Guy yeah. could t- the guy looked like a middle linebacker. He could take a hit or two. That's why I worry about some of these smaller end guys. That's why I love Josh Allen so much. Like the only injury he sustained last year is when he followed through and hit his hand off of a helmet. That seems yeah. more like a fluke injury than him yeah. getting too beat up to continue. Wide receivers in Denver. Deshaun Hamilton has already suffered a hamstring injury. It seems to be minor. I guess. Uh, good thing it happened at the beginning. But then you have Emmanuel Sanders. There's all these. Instagram clips and social clips of him. Hey, he's returning from his Achilles pretty quickly. It seems like it's a bit quick to be returning from an Achilles injury though. Doesn't it? Very. So here's the issue with Achilles injuries. They're, they're really hard to come back from the data. And and there's been kind of two waves of data. There was the initial type of surgery uh, and the data for that was just really bad. About 30, a little over 30% of athletes um, or elites never returned to the field. Like that was it. 70% returned 30% just after they tore their Achilles, they can never get back. Um, but nowadays they have a little bit of a different type of procedure called a PARS that has better data and, and it's showing promise, but we don't have any run in particular running backs that have succeeded uh, to return from this. Like I believe Richard Sherman had both Achilles or at least one and he did okay last year. Um, but uh a guy like Dante Foreman, who I really want to be high on, but I just, I just can't be until he proves that that Achilles has the burst and he, he has the agility to do what you're asking him to do. Kind of the same thing uh, with Sanders. He's not exactly a spring chicken. Um, and he's, this is not, I mean, I don't even think it's been six months since his surgery. Um, and these guys take a good nine months to closer to a year to, to really be 
closer to a hundred percent. I just, I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid for him and I don't want anything to do with this quarterback if I could help it in Flacco. Uh, I like Hamilton, as you mentioned. I do really like Hamilton. I think he's sneaky. I don't know if he's ready this year, but um, I, Achilles right now, I pump the brakes on running backs and wide receivers who are coming off of Achilles injuries. Uh, Houston seems to have a collection of wide receivers outside of DeAndre uh, Hopkins that are just perpetually banged up, whether it be Will Fuller, who just misses eight games every year with an assortment of injuries, and then Kiki mm-hmm. Cutie, who I really like, but he's just so little that it just one hit and he, like, he's out for three weeks. That Do you worry about these guys and their ability to stay healthy? Yeah, I mean, some of these guys, uh, you know, if you suffer a hamstring injury and it doesn't properly heal and you get scar tissue, in wherever it was torn, we'll say kind of just distal to the buttocks where a lot of them are torn. That is prone to re-injury because it's not the same as real muscle. It's going to scar down. It will never be the same as before you injured it. So these guys who have an injury history, they're prone to getting more soft tissue injuries. Um, I love Kiki Kute. I wish he could stay healthy. We saw how dynamic he was. Same with Will Fuller. Um, they could be a scary offense if all of those guys are clicking. I don't know what they're going to do for a running game. Now, Lamar Miller is what he is, but um, same with Sean Watson. I mean, he's super dynamic, but he's been banged up two of the past three years. When we take a look at reoccurring injuries, you say these soft tissue injuries can be reoccurring. What about concussions? I know not. there's mm. no, no two concussions are alike. But if you've sustained two concussions, are you more prone to have a third concussion than someone who's never sustained one? Significantly. So would you watch it? Like, that's my biggest problem with Damian Williams. Like, Damian Williams has had concussion problems throughout his career. I know, because I used to stupidly draft Miami running backs and be like, oh, got to go pick up this Damian Williams guy off the waiver wire. Then, like, two weeks later, he'd be out with a concussion. Like, he really worries me this year, because I know if he stays healthy and he's just the guy, he's going to be incredible. He might be a top five running back. I just don't see how he he makes it through the year. So... Uh, thankfully, I, uh, I should say not thankfully, I don't take care of concussions as much as I used to in, in training. Uh, and, and that's just the nature of my practice, but, um, concussions are hard to deal with, especially, uh, in, in pro athletes. I've taken care of plenty of pro athletes that want to get on the field yesterday, but you can't rush a concussion this. So think of a bruise to make, to keep it super, super simple as we can. So bruise your leg, it heals in a week or two. Well, a concussion is essentially a bruise of the brain it's this is super important so you obviously can't wing it these guys are usually super nauseous they uh, are dizzy they have really bad headaches Uh, that sounds like the worst hangover you could think of Uh, and this happens for one two three four days up to a couple weeks Um, these guys lose their balance Um, they can't sleep they're really on edge like all of these are just classic symptoms of a concussion about 70 close to 80 percent of these resolve at least sports concussions resolve within seven to 14 days which is why you see a lot of guys clear it and come back but every time you sustain one you're at increased risk of sustaining another one about six to nine times over the next 90 days if i uh, remember correctly but also you're at increased risk for having a slower recovery so say it took a week the first time it may take 10 days or two weeks the second time if it's a similar impact. 
the scary part and why we don't send players back into the, the game uh, after a potential head injury is because if you suffer a repeated head injury after the, before the first one is um, before the first one is healed, that's called second impact syndrome, and you can actually die because of brain swelling. So once someone sustained a concussion uh, or presumed concussion, they usually shut them down, and there's no questions. So if we look at all the receivers and all the tight ends, we've talked through quarterbacks, we've talked through running backs to the extent that we're going to do that. Which tight ends and receivers scare you the most coming there? Would it be someone like Devontae Adams who didn't crop up with a concussion problem last year but has sustained a lot throughout the course of his short career? Thankfully, as much as often as he was thrown into the fire last year, he didn't sustain a concussion. Um, he's arguably my top wide receiver uh, in PPR. Um, you can justify a couple people up there: OBJ, maybe uh, Juju, like, maybe like do, do Hopkins, obviously. Do do Beckham's injuries scare you at all? No, I, as weird as his, I think his his injuries are fluke. I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think they are preventable, so to speak. Like I think they're just fluke, and he just he broke his leg, you know, uh, or had a bad high ankle sprain and, and fractured his fibula. Um, like I don't. I, in in the offense, like look how dominant he was with awful Eli. <laughs> like think about what with, with uh, the cannon that Baker has, like in an actual respectable line and running game and other wide receivers. Like he could. He, I mean, he could go bananas this year. Uh, Adams could potentially score thirty touchdowns. I mean, if he's in the slot and Rodgers is normal and healthy. Don't be surprised if he drops 20. 20? Don't be surprised if he drops. That's a bold take, sir. I know. So, yeah. That's I'm saying. Like, it's possible. I mean, uh, that Adams is talented. As long as he can stay healthy. I don't, I'm don't. i not overly worried about his, his concussion history. It, it is what it is. You get to a point where you just you shut it down, but he's not there yet. So there's no real red flag wide receivers, even from down on the list, like Albert Wilson returning from injury. Uh, maybe who is it, like uh, Hollywood Brown's Liz Frank injury? Like, is that an issue? That, yeah, that that's that's concerning. Uh, the there, there's some concern about Hollywood Brown's Liz Frank. Those are potentially concerning injuries, but usually they do pretty well. Wilson, uh, I like his. He's dynamic. I just I don't I have to look into him a little more. I haven't wrote up his profile yet. Um, I'm not really concerned about Cooper Cup. I think he's kind of like a Julian Edelman from last year, if you think of it that way. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, we talked about uh, Watkins. I don't think he can ever stay healthy, so I don't just I don't trust him. Uh, Anthony Miller, not really worried about his shoulder, rock and roll. Geronimo Allison, he had that sports hernia. He's good to go. Uh, not too many wide receivers that I'm super concerned about. A.J. Green, uh, obviously, of recent news. But besides that, not overly concerning. Uh, what about guys like OJ Howard or even Jack Doyle at tight end who were banged up last season, or even someone like Travis Kelsey, who I have an awful lot of this year and need him to remain healthy the entire year. So if you guys uh, check out Kelsey's profile, you're going to be astonished at how many injuries he's had. It's crazy. Like he's had microfracture surgery, which is a complicated surgery that not many people undergo. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon had it too. Um, he should be healthy. I don't have any reason why he shouldn't. Kelsey shouldn't be. Um, 
obviously a guy like Jordan Reed scares me. A guy like <laughs> Greg Olson uh, scares me just because they can't seem to stay healthy and they have recurrent foot injuries uh, of their own. Um, OJ Howard, I really like this year. He's one of my uh, kind of potential breakouts. Um, I'm a little concerned about Jack Doyle. Um, he had a combination of a hip and a uh, lacerated kidney, uh, which is as scary as it sounds. Um, he probably fractured a rib uh, and then indirectly the rib cut the kidney is, is likely how it happened. Um, that uh, remains to be seen as he ramps up his um, his workouts um, and he starts really huffing and puffing and, and his body starts to try to conserve energy. Can his kidneys cooperate? And that's so that remains to be seen. Um, uh, as far as like Ebron, not overly concerned, really like Henry this year. Um, Walker, mm, I'm not sure what to make of him yet. All right. Dr. Jesse Morse, thank you for coming on and help us break down and learning a bit more about these injuries, uh, especially ones that are going to be sustained in season, how long that should take us to recover. High ankle sprain, what, four to six weeks, six to eight weeks? Sorry, I lost you there. I said a uh, high ankle sprain. What should we be looking at? If that happens like week three to my running back, which it inevitably will, how long should I actually <laughs> expect him to be out for? Best case scenario, four weeks. All right. What, what's like regular scenario? Six to eight? Six. Six? And when's he back at like 100% effectiveness and like probably won't get re-injured from that? Six, seven. Right. At four, you're at high risk for re-injury. That's why... Uh, that's why they obviously, um, we, we try to keep them out. I mean, these guys want to get back and, and play, which I understand, but you're not good to your team if you're not a hundred percent. All right. In my you, opinion. Yeah. You can check out Jesse on Twitter at Dr. Jesse Morse. You can buy the $5 injury package, which goes up to 10 tomorrow. So save yourself half the cost by going to the fantasy right now and checking that out. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me on Twitter at the PME. Same as Facebook, same as Instagram, all the previous shows in the description of the video and podcast. That'll do it. Check out all my rankings up on DKPlaybook.com. Pat Mayo, thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!